That's like chair two or chair three thinking, so I'm not, it was fun to say, but I don't believe it. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. That's what we tell our kids anyways. Well, I heard we have a new baby in the house this morning. Uh, Dan and Randy, I heard there's a baby Soren, and now I have a microphone that is working. So if you're able to, it's a baby in the basket. Dan, can you lift the baby up in the carriage here? All right, can you tell us a little bit about the baby? We got, we going now? Uh, well, it's a real long story, so. Oh, d- you don't have to do a full story. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm not Like name and uh, a, uh, birth weight and all that kind of Soren, stuff. Soren Timothy Isaiah Dooley, uh, eight pounds, 11 ounces, 10.6 to be exact, uh, 2.07 a.m. the 25th, uh, Randy had four hours of labor and did 75% by herself, <laughs> and he was born in Albert College because we didn't make it to the hospital. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Well, this church loves children and babies, and uh, we just celebrate all the time. We're trying to keep up with the nursery. I know we want to just blow out more walls and make it bigger uh, because there's just lots of babies here. Uh, Katrina was talking to me about how many um, uh, meal plans that we've done for meal trains, you know, for like either new moms or things like that. Uh, She can count, is it 20 now? 19? 19 meal trains for new moms, new babies in the last like two and a half years. That's a lot of babies. Some people are nervous right now. <laughs> okay, you don't have to care, you know, it's, it's okay. If, you, if it's not one of yours, you don't have to worry about it. But there are a lot of the moms are here and they've got one of those babies. Well, it, that is exciting to be a part of that. Well, this morning, uh, I wanted to talk to you about inheritance and transitions and how to keep your seat in chair one. Chair one is over there on the the right side. It's called the kingdom of God chair. How do we stay in that chair when we know that life is slippery? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to slip right out of chair one into chair two. Or if you're in chair three right now, you've never tasted chair two. You've never gone to chair one. Let's start with a review. Let's start with chair three. Because... um, Once you know where you're at, it's easier to know where to go. Okay, chair three. Let's review that. So chair three, we call it the kingdom of the world. And uh, we we say that because it's a world system. It's not a Christian uh, idea. It's not a way of looking at life through God's ways. It's a place where we're always looking for answers. You're looking for peace. You're, you're asking questions like, what is, this all, what is life about? Is there a God? What is truth? Why are we here? What's my purpose? That's chair three. That's when you're always kind of wondering, what is this whole story about? Is God real? Is there spiritual things? Is there more to life than just what I can see with my own eyes? That's chair three. And it's where we all start. It's what we're all born into. The scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 2, 3, we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So by very nature, 
we just kind of did what we felt was right, whether it was good or bad. We, we longed for things. We looked at things. We, our hearts passioned after things, but without God. We, we, uh, we did it the best we could with what we had. But you see the picture of the young boy. And that's kind of what life's like. You're looking for answers. Do you remember a season in your life where you were looking and searching for more? You were wondering, what is there beyond myself? For my own story, I remember when I was about five and a half years old. And uh, the 80s were a wonderful decade, for those of you who can remember them. And I remember the pastor talking about Jesus Christ. And that if you believed in God's Son, Jesus Christ, that he had the authority and the power to take the sin out of your heart, make your heart whole again, and save a place in heaven for you someday. And I said, wow, that is a really cool thing. So after the service, I went into the side kitchen, just like at our church. I went off by myself, and I put my head down and said, Jesus, would you please come into my heart and forgive me of my sins? Because I wanted that heart thing to be right, and I didn't want to go to a place called hell. It was a horrible-sounding place, and heaven sounded amazing. And so like a child, I said, okay. And on that day, there was a transition of chairs. On that day that I confessed with my mouth and I believed with my heart in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I switched to chair two. Chair two, as we go to the next slide, is called Kingdom of Self. It's not a bad chair, it's just not the best chair. It's where we find Christ for the first time. There is a salvation experience and we know that one day we're going to heaven. Jesus saved my soul. He saved me. We're going places. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I was talking to my wife and others, and sometimes it takes a long time just to get from this chair to this chair because we don't really know if we're in this chair. We went to the altars how many times to confess Jesus Christ as our Savior? But we didn't really know if we were saved. So, We've, we, we've vacillated between the two. You know, in this chair, you know that you're going to heaven someday. That's your plan. The challenge with chair two is that it's primarily resting on your abilities and who you are, not on Jesus Christ. Now, you start with salvation by faith in Christ. You trust him to forgive you of your sins. But after that, I think the message I received was you better keep up the good work and work hard, and don't mess up too much, and don't get caught, and don't sin too much, because if Jesus comes back while you're sinning, you're toast, and you're not going to heaven anymore. That was the sermon on the gospel of salvation that I often heard growing up. Does anyone uh, remember that kind of understanding? Three of us? Okay. Well, that's good. That was what I heard. I was so worried that I wasn't good enough to keep up what God had started. I was looking for approval from men. For many years, I was wondering, I'm hoping I'm good enough. I'm hoping people will like me. I know Jesus likes me in that he died for my sins, but I can't seem to get over my troubles. I can't seem to get over my addictions. I'm kind of stuck. I was looking for real freedom. I knew he had saved my spirit, but why is my soul such a mess? We learn to give, but we rarely learn how to receive. 
And you know that when you meet someone and you say, God bless you to them, right? You know, in the Christian world, we say, God bless you. And the person that's stuck in chair two says, oh, brother, I am already blessed. Why? Because they can't receive yet. They're stuck. They're, they're able to give, and they're really good servants. So this chair we've talked about is slavery to the world systems. You're, you're apart from God. When you switch over to this chair, you go, I'm a servant of God now. I can serve the Lord. You might even find friendship here with God, which is a wonderful thing. The scripture says, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you can't enter into God's kingdom unless you trust Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. There's no other pathways. Over here, you might have like a Muslim faith or a Hindu faith or a Buddhist faith or an atheistic life where you don't believe there is a God. Or an agnostic faith where you go, I don't know if there's a God. There might be. But the only way towards the Father is through Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to focus primarily on this chair one. And chair one is my favorite chair. It's the kingdom of God chair. So when I was five and a half, I switched from this chair to this chair. Do you remember when you switched chairs from chair one to chair two? Excuse me, chair three to chair two? Do you remember, was it an experience, like a salvation confession thing? Or was it a lifestyle change that slowly God just kind of came into your life? I'm not sure what your story is, but think about those transitions and how they affected your life, how they affected your family. Because until I was probably in my mid-20s or even later, I was really working this one out pretty good. I thought the harder I worked over here, and if I was really a good Christian or really a good church person, then I would find success. Then I would have like a big ministry. Then things would start to happen. Then I would be happier. So I try to copy every other. You know when you try to copy people because you think if you do what they do, then finally you'll arrive. So I would watch other pastors and other children's ministers. and other, Maybe if I just went to the right conference. I was trying to work my way into a better place with God. That's chair two. But as we went to Africa and then moved here to Belleville about three and a half years ago, Pastor Kevin gave me a whole stack of books to read uh, when I, before I moved here and when I got here. And he kept talking about, you know, books like God is a Father. We are the sons and daughters of God. And I thought, wow, what is this stuff? I know it's in the scriptures, but I've never really studied it. And that's where we come into chair one. Chair one is the kingdom of God. And you see the picture of all the people connected. You see them at the table? This is a picture both of what the Garden of Eden would have looked like before the sin of man entered the world. But it's also a picture of what heaven's going to look like. This is what we are to practice here on earth, is a community of fellowship where everyone has a place at the table. This is chair, that's a chair one lifestyle. 
And if you look around that table, do you see uh, how many generations are present at the table? Just like at our church. Look how many different people are in this room. Younger, older, middle-aged, married, single, different color of hair, less hair, more hair. We're all in this room together. And they're around that table. And at the head of the table is an important person. On the, on the left of the picture is the father. The reason that table is there is because there's a good father who provides for his children and has trained them up in the right ways. And do you notice that they're not competing around the table? But they're connecting around the table. They're not fighting for position because they all have a seat at the table. In the kingdom of God, we don't fight for positions. We receive positions that the Father gives us. We receive assignments. We don't earn them. The Father says, could you please do this? Could you please take care of that? I put four words there at bullet points. Connected. The kingdom of God is when we stop doing life alone and we let other people into our life. How many know that is a challenging thing to do? I really love people. I do. And, but the, the closer you get to people, the more trust you have to have and the more opportunity you are to get hurt. And I understand that. That's humanity. The only other option, though, is what we've talked about is to have a closed heart and a cold heart. And that's when you do life alone. Chair two is really good at life alone. And I used to excel at it. I was very extroverted publicly, but I thought when it came to my Christian life, it's me and I'm going to work it out with God. I'm going to be that. I'm going to try harder. I didn't really let people into my life at a personal level, just a few. And then I started going to Celebrate Recovery to help with that ministry. And then I found a trusted people along with Pastor Kevin who I could begin to come into my journey of healing and walk with me as I got healthy in my soul. But that required me to have trust. The second one I put was found. You feel discovered in the kingdom of God. You feel like people truly know who you are. Your true self is presented and you're not rejected. That's why I put found out. It's not like, aha, I caught you. You're found on who you really are, both your, your, your brokenness and your, heal, your healing parts from Jesus, and you're still loved. I don't know about you, but when, when you get accepted for who you are with your brokenness, it feels like healing. There's times in my life when I was growing up, especially in chair two, I would share my wounds and my brokenness with people, and unfortunately, they didn't know how to handle it, and I was immature, so they couldn't receive it. They told me to get over it. Does get over it sound like a healing word? Especially when it comes from an authority figure. You actually are hurt because you thought they would have answers, but instead they said, solve your own problems. It took a lot of years to kind of work out of that solve your own problem deal. When I realized that Jesus loved me for who I was and he wanted to work it out together in a partnership by the Holy Spirit, then I didn't feel so ashamed. I didn't have to hide anymore. I could walk in the light and he began working on me. The third one is celebrated. When you feel celebrated, when you feel 
uh, that people value your worth for who you are, not for what you can accomplish, you start going, wow, I have purpose here. I'm loved just for who I am. And you know, once you get celebrated, it's easier to celebrate others. Once you accept that the Father is celebrating who you are, you can go around celebrating everyone else and not feel envious or jealous. You don't have to say, we have a running joke in our life group that if someone gets something nice, we used to say, oh, that must be nice for you. It's a joke because we don't really believe that. If someone has something nice, we celebrate. And we say, I'm so happy for you. That's a wonderful gift. That's a wonderful purchase. We're so glad for your family. We celebrate. And when you celebrate, it frees you from worrying about yourself. It frees you from worrying about what other people think. The last one is a difficult one, but a wonderful one. It's when you feel trusted, you begin to trust other people. You know that God can trust you? We talk a lot about at church how we're supposed to trust God, and that's true. You know that God wants you to let him transform you into a trustworthy person? So up in heaven, everyone's talking, and they're saying, hmm, I need someone in Belleville. I have an assignment. Who can we trust to accomplish this? What son and daughter of God can I trust? And the Bible says God is looking to and fro, looking for someone that can work on his behalf. So he finds Lauren and says, Lauren's ready. He's the man. If I ask Lauren, he's a faithful son, he'll do it. And then Lauren gets a word from the Lord, and Lauren goes, I got to do it. My father told me. And Lauren goes and does it. It's quite simple, really. It's trusting and obeying. But it feels so good that God would trust us. Of all the people in the world, he trusts us. I picked this uh, picture because of its wonderful sense of family and community. And you notice the caption there that says, The Heart of Man? That is a movie that I want to encourage. It's PG-13, so it's great for like probably uh, early high school and up for age appropriateness. But it's a Christian movie and documentary on the journey of how to find belonging in Christ and in the Father. It talks a lot about what we're talking about. And it's free on Netflix. It's called The Heart of Man. I, want, I encourage you to look it up. It's an hour and 14 minutes. And it's a great uh, movie on how to find home in Christ. Plus, it's shot in Hawaii, so you get to enjoy these beach scenes throughout the movie. And it makes you want to go to Hawaii. In Luke chapter 15, 22 through 23, it says, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and bring the fattened calf, and let us eat and be merry. Did you ever notice that when the prodigal son came home in the Bible, that the, he was confessing, Father, I've sinned, I've done all these, he had this whole speech ready. I've done all these things wrong. And the, it says, but the father. So the father interrupts the speech. And he says, bring out the best robe. Can you imagine like going from the outskirts of town and poverty and come back to your family and your dad's got the best robe waiting and he runs up and hugs your neck and he throws it over you? How many of you could use that kind of healing from the Father? Where he runs to you. You're not running to him. Yes, you turned your heart. You're saying, I'm going back to God. And you begin stumbling back to God. And the Father is running towards you. And he takes his best coat 
of mercy and love and he throws it over your shoulders and over your body, hugs you, kisses your neck and says, welcome home, daughter. Welcome home, son. By the way, I have some gifts for you. But Father, I've messed up. But Father, I've got all these problems. And he just keeps heaping on. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem earned. In chair two, we can't receive those gifts. We're not good enough. But in chair one, we humble ourselves and say, Father, go ahead. I receive your love. See, here's the problem. There's slippery chairs. Have you ever felt like this guy? You're going through life. Woo! Bam! You are down before. I mean, I've walked out on the ice before. And you are on the ground before you know what happened. It's over. And life is like that with these chairs. We're learning about how to stay in chair one. That's the goal, is to be with the Father and to live from the chair. Go to work from the chair. Talk to our children from this chair. Talk at, uh, to our coworkers from this chair. Purchase from this chair. Everything comes out of this chair. But it's so easy to slip between chairs. How do we stay in chair one? You know, there's a group of Christians in Galatia, in the city, that dealt with this. And I want to read this verse to you from Galatians uh, chapter 3. It says this, Are you so foolish... Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? We were saved by grace through faith in Christ. We were saved by Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, we think now that we're saved, we slip back and go, okay, now I'm going to bring perfection to my life through work, through my abilities. Or in the Bible, they call that your flesh. It's your ideas. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, if you're trying to get perfected by your own efforts, you you fall short because sin comes back into the world, into your world. And if there's sin in your life and you're trying to do it by your efforts, the Bible says you're not good enough. The law is too high for you. Only through Christ can you fulfill the law. Only through Jesus Christ, through the promise of the Holy Spirit, can you be righteous. And that's where chair one is. I remember uh, being in university, and we had all the leaders gather in a room like this, and let's, let's do some worship, some singing. And it was a, a, probably a Saturday morning or something like this at university. And so I come down the hallway like this. Woe is me. I'm ashamed. I have hiddenness. I have sin in my life. And, I, and, I, and here's all these young friends. They're all worshiping God. They're all happy. I'm like, I don't feel like that. I'm a sinner. No one knows my darkness. They think I have it all together. I can't go in there and pretend to be all happy and jump up and down and do all the songs. So I kind of waddle off to the corner like Eeyore. And I found one of the uh, directors of ministry and I said, Greg, can I talk to you? He goes, oh, sure, Mark, come here. And I said, I, my heart is heavy. I just feel so ashamed. I have this sin in my life. And he said, well, let's just pray. I said, okay. And I just had to come out of darkness and back to light. I didn't want to play phony Christian. And so I confessed my sin, like the scripture said. And I was talking to God, and I said, Jesus, 
I'm sorry, I just don't feel righteous enough to come and to sing today. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And the Holy Spirit stopped me. I don't even know if I knew I could hear the voice of God back then, but it's like God broke into my prayers. Like, Mark, it's not your righteousness. Remember, Jesus is your righteousness. And I'm like, this like came in through my prayers, and I'm looking around going, yes, that's right. Jesus is my righteousness. It's not by my efforts that I can enter into worship. It's by the effort of Jesus Christ that I enter into worship and fellowship with God. And, and I just go, yes, yes. And all this weight flew off my shoulders. And I just ran back in the room because now it, I was with Jesus. Jesus is why I can worship. Jesus is why I can enter in. Because what he did, not me. It wasn't an excuse to keep on sinning. It was freedom from sin. It was freedom from bondage. So I want to share a few ways that we can keep our seats in chair one. Because I feel like it's like someone put oil all over the seats and we're just sliding around and some days are more slippery than others and we fall down and we get back up and slide into this chair. Number one, wait on the Lord. This is one of the most powerful ways that you can get back to chair one or stay in chair one longer is wait on the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait and in his word I put my hope. Do your feelings ever sabotage your day? Mine do. And I like to feel happy. I'm an optimist. So if I don't feel happy, I'm not happy. I'm like, ooh, I'm usually happy, but I'm not. And so my soul gets all messed up, and my emotions are like an elevator, up and down, up and down. So I have to do this. I have to say, soul, I know you're upset right now. doesn't matter. My spirit is born again. I am a Christian. Soul, you calm down. You wait it out. You wait this day out. Jesus, I know you love me. I don't feel it right now, but it's true, so I'm just going to have to hold it out. And I wait on the Lord because he's a man of his word and he will come through eventually. Number two, this is not a popular one, but it really works. Deny yourself. Yay! I love to deny myself. What a popular message. Not, it's not popular because we're like, no, me. Chair two and chair three are like, no, I want to still be the center. I want, it's about me. But then you get to chair one. And God says, would you come as a child? Would you come without any request? Just come. Give me your entire life and I will give you my entire life. It's an exchange. So we get to say things like this. Not my will, but my Father, your will be done. You get to say, you get to ask this question in prayer. Father, how do you feel about this situation? And then you wait in prayer. See, if you know what God thinks or feels about something, it helps you get through it. Because our understanding is limited and more finite. But God's higher ways, he can let you in on his secrets. What does Father think about it? You can ask the Father, what do you think about this situation? And you can get out of your own head and into God's. What does the Father say about it? See, the thing is, it's hard when we feel alone. Chair two and chair three, we feel like we're battling our own battles. We're fighting our own fights. 
who's going to stick up for me? Who's going to stick up for me and my family or my soul or my mind, my will, my emotions? And we forget that we're a part of a family and that God is your father and he has some things to say. And no one can overrule your father. When, when Father God says something, it's the top. No one can come in and veto the father's thoughts. So once you get a hold of God's thoughts, you tuck those things away. I like to write them in my journal. You write them down and you tell a few of your close friends and you say, this is what God said. I believe what God said, moreover, what my body tells me I'm feeling. Because emotions, for me, can put my day lower or higher. But what God said is like his word and his word is never changing. It's true all the time. And it's safe. One thing I learned in chair two, before I switched to chair one, which was a great training for me, was that the Word of God is completely trustworthy, and you can build your entire life on God and the Bible and the teachings of the Scriptures. It'll never let you down. I learned that in chair two. I hadn't yet built that more personal relationship with Him as a father to son. I knew Christ, and I just knew that the Scriptures are important. And if you build your life on them, when your day goes bad, you can t- speak to your bad day and say, I know it's bad, but it's not the end of the story because I know what the Bible says. And you say that out loud and it begins to change things. So obedience is better than sacrifice. In your quiet time when you're with God and he tells you to do something, just do it, please. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If God tells you to do something, if he's told you to do something, just do it. Just do it. You don't need a big stamp of approval. You don't need anything signed in triplicate. If God says to do it and it aligns with the scriptures, if it's against the scriptures, I would not do it. But if it's with the word of God and you have peace in your heart, obey what God tells you to do. I couldn't believe it. One time, I was so nervous because I had just finished university. I had no job. I felt like a freeloader. I was at my parents' house for a month, and I was sitting there going, this can't be it. I have a degree. I'm supposed to have a job. I'm starting to feel insecure about myself, and I'm like, I'm just going to go down the road and get, uh, go to the nearest uh, grocery store or something. I'm going to get a job, because I can't just sit around here. i got to do something. And the Lord stopped me and said, Mark, I want you to put your shoes on, walk down the street to the right, and go to a house that I'm going to show you. And I said, nope, not doing it. <laughs> he said, put your shoes on, walk down the street, and on the house, I'm going to show you a house, and you're going to talk to people. I said, I am not going there. I am way too nervous to do that kind of stuff. And it's just me. Everyone's at work. I'm just at home. God just says, when are you going to go? I'm just sitting there, hmm, 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 can't hear you, you know, that kind of thing. Finally, I'm like, fine, and I put my shoes. I remember tying my laces going, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. God, I hope you don't embarrass me, you know, this kind of thing. So I put my shoes on, and I open up the door, and there's my street to the right. So I just start walking down the middle of the street in the middle of the day. And the Lord says, it's this house here on the left. I said, oh, my gosh. This is... So I slowly walked up to the house. I started thinking of all these things I could say that wouldn't embarrass me. God would have to work it out, but I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. So I just knocked on the door, and this lady opens the door. She goes, hello? I said, hi. Um, I'm one of your neighbors down the street. My parents live there. I just thought I would say hi. 
I didn't know what to say. And I said, I'm just, you know, I was just caught. I just said hi. Uh, how's everything going? They're like, oh, okay. And said, I, I don't remember how I started the conversation. I was just fumbling over myself and saying things. Well, you know, I don't remember if it was God wants the best for you or whatever. I had said something with a Christian word or whatever. She goes, oh, really? That's interesting. She goes, would you come into our house? I said, what? She goes, well, my husband uh, stayed home from work today. Uh, my kids are upset. My husband's angry. And we want to know about God. And we want to know if we should go to church. And we're having a big family meeting. And we want you to come into the house and tell us about it. And they had these little pug dogs that were like coming at my feet, you know, and I'm like, really? She goes, yes, we think, yes, we need to know about God. We need to know about what is church and what is the Bible. Can you bring a Bible? I said, yes. And so I came in and shared with them. They ended up coming to our church for a season and their marriage was on the rocks. But I was like, you know, how I was, no, I was not a perfect a, a, a servant. All I did was fumble through it. You know, you don't have to be perfect at anything. God says, bring, what, the five loaves and two fish? Bring the little that you have to God and obey Him with it. Let Him do the miracle. And that day was such an encouragement for me. Let's jump to the next one. This is a very personal one that I encourage you to seek after, and it's called the baptism of love. And this is important for chair one. This kind of keeps you into chair one. If you've never been in chair one before, this is what I encourage you to pray about with the Father. Because Jesus had a baptism of love before he started the ministry. He was baptized by John in the water. And the Father said from the heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You could say this is my beloved daughter for the females here. In other words, before, God, before Jesus Christ did any ministry, any miracles, before he got out on the street and started preaching and healing, the Father said, I love you. You're my child. You're my beloved child. And I am pleased with you. And then the Holy Spirit fell. And then he said it was like a dove. In other words, when it fell, it didn't um, glance off. It said it fell down upon him, alighting upon him. In other words, it's different to be visited by the Holy Spirit and become a habitation for the Holy Spirit. We're made to be temples walking around Belleville and Quinty all day long, full of the Holy Spirit. We are carriers. We are temples. And wherever we go, we freely give love away. Uh, Ryan uh, texted me or him and his wife a few weeks ago and said, we really want to just bless some people and give them food. We want to make bread and just give people some food. Great. So Ryan and I put on the calendar. We got our four kids together, Ryan and I did, and we made some PB&J sandwiches and some chips. And we said, okay, God, we're just going to give some food away. And the, the kids were with us. They're all giggling in the cars. And uh, we had about an hour and a half or so. And so we just drove down to Belleville and said, Lord, just show us people. And it was funny because I used to worry about all that stuff from here. Like, we're going to really do something for God. We're going to feed the homeless. We're going to solve the problem. But really, it was as simple as, why don't we just share what we have? I didn't... I used to do that stuff to feel good about myself, and now I'm kind of like, I was just doing it to share what we had, and because it's nice to have a lunch some days if you don't have a lunch. So we drove downtown, 
We said, Lord, show us who it is. And it was kind of hard because we're driving, there's all that construction and there's no parking and the, and the little kids are with, they're a little nervous because they're like, how do we work with people who are on the street? And so we found, a, um, we had six lunches, uh, six bag lunches, and in 30 minutes they were gone from six different people that said, yes, I'd be happy to receive that lunch. And one of the young gentlemen was on a bike and I said, I know, this is kind of embarrassing, I don't mean any disrespect, but... I have a lunch that uh, my friends and I made from our church. We just, would you like that? And they said, really? It's funny you'd ask because I was just on my way to the Salvation Army to get lunch. And this would really be a blessing. You know, a young guy in his 20s and a few other people. And, and then one guy at the very end, he was sitting on the corner and it was a hot day. So he had his t-shirt off and his bag. And uh, Kate and I walked down. We each kind of had a turns. And said, excuse me, sir, is there any chance that you would uh, like this uh, lunch? We put it together with our kids, and we just want to share love from our church. He goes, why are you doing this? And he looked at us, and I said, we just thought people would like a lunch if they needed it. We just care about people. We love people. And he wasn't going to accept it. And I said, but I do have a nice cold water bottle for you because it's super hot. And he, go, and he grabbed that, and he goes, but why are you doing this? And we just said, we, we just love people. There wasn't a big deal. It was just showing love. He goes, wow. He goes, you know what? I probably needed this more than anyone in this city. I really need this right now. This means the world to me. And he took the little bag lunch. He goes, I, I needed this. And, you know, Grace Inn isn't open yet. And, the, and Salvation Army's downtown. And there's so many things that are going to work out. But it was cool how he was just, and he was really happy talking to Kate about it. He's like, really? Wow, this is, I just needed this right now. And I don't think our miracles have to be a big deal. I think all of us have people in our life this week where we could serve them and bless them. Not because we have to, but because we choose to freely. In chair one, you can give your life away for free. Because how did you get what you got? For free from God. Everything you have has been received. So freely what you've been given, freely give to others. All right, as we begin to wrap up, the last one here, about take your seat and keep your seat. I think it's important to remind ourselves how we got to chair one. God with Christ raised us up together, and what does it say underlined? Can you read that with me? Made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God with Christ, what did he make us do? He made us sit together in heavenly places. We didn't get there by our own efforts. We didn't get there by our self-righteousness. You can't pay your way. You can't give enough to get to that seat. But if you trust God with Christ, they will, he will raise us up and he will sit us there. Why do you think you use the word sit? Isn't it funny how we're not standing? Isn't it funny how we're not running? We're not, we're seated. But that doesn't seem good enough. Seems, don't we got to do something? And we'll get to the doing. Pastor Kevin is so excited to go shift into the doing from chair one, but we're seated. We're seated because it's already done. We're seated because Jesus Christ did the work, not us. We can now go to work with him, but we don't work to get to that seat. He made us in that spot. 
Lastly, when you're slipping in and out of the seat, I want to encourage you to speak the truth in love. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things into him who is its head in Christ. Can you think of right now four or five people in your life that would speak the truth and love to you, that will speak life over you, and you go, that's right, that's what's important. That's who I am. That's who God made me to be. Think of three or four people like that in your life. Sometimes you've got to call them, and you've got to speak the truth. My Nana, if you met my Nana, she is with the Lord now. But my little Nana, about this tall, came to Christ later in life, and she got baptized in her hot tub when she was like 70, I think, or 65, and she went all out for God. She got crazy for Jesus, because she knew of God as a Catholic person, but she didn't know you could have a personal relationship through God and the Holy Spirit and through Jesus. So when she jumped in, she went all in, and she just got wild for God, but she was one of those people that would always speak life over me. And what I realized is, we all need those four or five people, even from young children growing up, that will always speak life. And what we're doing is, I think what, that, that life, it puts these legs on the chairs. It puts stability in our life. So I want to encourage you today, speak life over people. Come speak love. And what it does is it's putting food in the bank. It's, it's like putting a fresh layer of, of asphalt on the road. Our road got paved this summer. And love is like building a highway to run on. And you can do it little bits at a time. But start young. Whoever is around you, speak life or speak love over them. It's like putting a nice paved road. And one day, God showed me a picture when we got to Africa. He said, Mark, do you know how you got here? Do you know why this is working? I'm like, why, God? He said, because so many people loved you and helped pave the way for you to get here today. And he started identifying all the people in my life that loved me. And it made my job easy to do. Because I was full of love. So today, I want to encourage you to, to put some asphalt down for someone. Put some love down. You might not even see the results for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Just keep sowing. Keep, keep investing in that love. So that one day, they can just run right down. They don't have to trip. They don't have to fall into a hole. They can run smoothly right down the road in love. And stay in that chair one. Because you know what my faith goal is for our church, and for, especially for our young children, is they don't do chair three, chair two, chair one. I want to see a whole generation go from chair three, skip chair two, and just land and stay in chair one. We don't, you don't have to hang out here. I thought you used to have to, but you can go right into the Father's arms as a child and stay there your whole life. A whole generation can just hang out here and bless this nation, this city. And that's the faith goal. Let's skip the earn, deserve, works part right into the love of the Father as a gift. Could you stand with me as we pray and close? Today, if you have an error in your life where you like prayer, then please come uh, forward and I will pray with you or some of the other leaders will pray with you. Because we want you to know that you can't earn and deserve your way into the family. You just belong because of what Jesus Christ did for all of us. None of us are good enough or smart enough to, to earn anything. We just are ourselves. And we dare to love one another in our brokenness. We dare to accept one another as we are. And then we go forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you 
for chair one. Thank you that Jesus Christ seated us in heavenly places. Thank you that it's not our own self-righteousness this week. Thank you that we have gifts of the Holy Spirit and love to go forth from this place and practice a chair one lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you and God bless you and have a wonderful weekend.